You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. The Fuzzy Sprout is the next revolution in baby bath towels. No more juggling your baby and your towel, clamping your towel under your chin, or getting wet while you lift your little one from the bath. Their 100% organic cotton, uniquely designed wearable baby towels are perfect for babies of all ages. Their towels snap around your neck so that both your hands are free to pick up your baby from the tub. Plus, they can be used multiple ways depending on your little one's age and size. You stay dry and they are wrapped up in seconds. This is the only baby towel you'll ever need for your growing little one. Use code MOMHALO for 15% off your purchase on their website at www.thefuzzysprout.com until May 1st, 2022. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to our podcast, The Mom Halo Series. I'm your host, Alana Kafitz, and today I'm super excited to have my friend and brilliant colleague, um, Jen Halfen here from Toronto Hello. Kids Physio. Jen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is super exciting and I always love chatting with you. So tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do. Go for it. So my name is Jen Halfen. I am uh, a mom of three. I've got um, two boys, seven and five, and a little girl who's two. Um, that is one job. Other job is I am a pediatric physiotherapist um, and clinic owner of Toronto Kids Physio along with my brilliant partner, Hilary Bramsky. So we own two physiotherapy clinics in the GTA, serving babies, kids, and teens, zero to 18, doing physiotherapy just for kids. So they are clinics designed to make physio fun. They are clinics designed to really have a holistic view of the child um, and just do physio and just see kids. So it's a lot of fun. I play at home and I play at work. Tell me, Jen, what is, let's go really down. What is physiotherapy? Great question. So physiotherapy is about helping a person, so child or adult, achieve their physical potential. So if it is either recovering from an injury, so, you know, you broke your wrist, so you may have to do some exercises to achieve the physical potential of that muscle, so making it stronger. Um, It can be, so like I said, as a result of an injury, it can be if you have um, a developmental delay for whatever reason, and that mind-body connection, it needs a little bit of help and coaching in terms of motor planning and doing that physical output. Um, It can be just general confidence building in terms of getting kiddos stronger out there on the playground and learning about their bodies. Um, But what we say and what our company sort of slogan is, is that we help kids achieve their maximum physical potential and 100% recover from injury. So if you're injured and you've got a sprain, a strain, a break, and those muscles need support and healing and strengthening, we do that. If you've got a motor delay for whatever the reason, we help you achieve your maximum physical potential, whatever it is for that child. So, you know, most people think about going to physiotherapy for themselves when they hurt their back, they sprain their ankle. That's what it looks like for adults. And it does look like that for kids too. We definitely see kids who have injuries. Um, but the physio side for when, especially when it comes to kiddos is we also work with kiddos, um, to help them achieve their motor skills. 
Love that so much. I myself am a client, a patient of, um, of your practice. You must have built something super amazing. I mean, it's magical. Yeah. Let's talk about the magical of the physical space. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So both clinics are pretty open concept. They're designed to be really friendly, warm, and inviting, clean, organized. Um, and our main equipments are toys, right? So, you know, we try and make physio fun. That's our slogan. We are a actually a franchise of a company out in um, BC that started out there. Um, and there's locations there. We've got our two locations in the GTA. There's a location actually in Hamilton as well. But all of them have sort of the same vibe of open, calm, fun, friendly, and engaging. And I think those are the the main pieces that we really try and bring across because it can be scary and intimidating, you know, especially kiddos who are used to going to doctor's appointments who are used to, you know, colder environments that are not so playful and fun. Um, you know, you bring your kiddo in for therapy and they think they're going to go to just another doctor's appointment. Um, and it's not going to be fun and it's going to be scary. We want that to take that element away and really make it play-based, um, but also, have the, the means to work hard as well. I love that so much. I find that I find your place is so, so fun. And I know my older two kids, um, we had to bring my middle child there. <laughs> my God. Yeah. In February of 2020, right before I lockdown. Remember, I remember. Uh, because I've just been like freaking pummeled in my motherhood journey, I think. Um, yeah. But you know, I am a medicalized mama. We have kids with complexities, but the first time I engaged with you and Hillary in your space was when my daughter Essa fractured her femur. Yeah, she was fourteen months old, and she just had started walking, and she was in a freaking body cast mm-hmm. from her ankle to her tits, <laughs> and it was like eight and a half weeks of complete hell and I didn't think it was going to get much worse yeah. and guess what oh gosh it you just kept getting it. worse but you guys did miracles with her so um you yeah know, when, something, so- when something like that happens when somebody's mm-hmm. kiddo has this like thing happen you guys were there it was awesome so talk to me about some of those patients and clients that you see yeah and I mean I remember Essa that was she had just learned to walk too and it was like we were trying to get her back to, to where she needed to be and to maximize her physical potential and have her 100% recover from that injury and get back to where she was. And I think part of it too, is even for the parents, you know, doctor's visits, as you are very well versed in, some can be great. Some can be, um, you know, very overwhelming. Some can be very rushed. Um, and I think that's one thing that we always say is the beauty of a physiotherapy appointment for your child is that we have the luxury of time. And so it's not just time to get to know your kiddo and to establish that rapport and build that relationship. But we also pride ourselves on being there for our parents as well, right? So, you know, I think that we our relationship has grown even through through you being one of our mamas at the clinic. Yes. Um, and so we, you know, that's the connection that we want to build. And we also want to be there because it's a tricky system to navigate when your child has an injury or um, a special need. You, you know, it's not easy to coordinate all those services. And if we can be an easier piece of the puzzle, that's definitely 100% a part of that experience. Even just being an advocate or helping you make connections or understand like, what is the process? We have the luxury of the time of a full appointment to give that to you and then some because we're focused on one area. I love that so much, Jen. I I agree. It's like you can drill down a bit and you really get to know the kiddos. So talk me through a typical experience when somebody 
requires physio. Let's go all the way to babies. Let's do like the zero all to the way zero to 12. So I have baby, a baby. Yeah. You, 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 you have this baby, you bring them into this world. It's the pandemic. And to me, sort of what sort of really has colored my pandemic experience was that the fact we are socially isolated for so much of my baby, Henry, who's 18 months old mm. and has medical complexities, we weren't seeing other babies. So even though I've had other kids, in the moments, and I keep thinking about this, and it's been an aha moment for me, those first five months that Henry was not necessarily meeting his milestones or having sort of challenges before we understand sort of the plethora of his challenges, I forgot that like there are certain things baby should be doing and he was not meeting his milestones by any means. And, um, you know, obviously we came to you guys for some time with him um, as sort of the pandemic has ebbed and flowed and we've done all sorts of therapies, but it really started with you, um, you know, this to me is the big, the big moment is that people are missing uh, milestones mm-hmm. and not even realizing they're missing milestones. So take us through what are the milestones zero to 12? <laughs> and if we see them missing, what do we do and how do we talk to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, that's definitely a cohort of kids. We see we have a special division of our infant physiotherapy assessments called baby motor milestone check-ins. Um, because we, we definitely recognize the value of not of educating parents too. on sort of, this is what should be going on. And I think that really speaks to what you're, what you're chatting about now is throughout the pandemic, you know, there have been some, these viral babies on TikTok and Instagram that have been like these pandemic babies that are actually soaring through their development, but there is a huge subset that is not talked about, um, cause it's not obviously popular to to sensationalize that on social media of kiddos who are delayed in their skills. And it is a result of not being exposed to other people in other environments, because you have a lot of first time moms, especially as well, who just don't even, you know, know. you said you didn't remember, but they're also this huge cohort of, if you're, they don't know, they don't know, know. you're you're not going to baby music classes. You're not going to get together with your friends in the park. You're not talking as much and interacting. And there's a lot that, you know, we always say we never should compare babies one to the other, because every baby has their own development rate. And even when I say, and I'll go through the milestones, but even I always say, you know, this should happen at four to six months ish, seven to nine months ish, because I do want to stress that you know what the important thing is gaining skills over time and making sure that, um, the kiddos are progressing at their own rates. But at the same time, if you are a new mom struggling to do tummy time and you're isolated and alone and can't go out to that music class, well, maybe if you would have been at that music class, you would have seen another mom putting their baby over their leg. Or you would have seen another mom saying, oh my God, tummy time's the worst, but I tried this and it worked. And you lose out on that camaraderie. Or you're sitting around in a circle going, oh, well, this and this baby are born around the same time as my baby. My baby's not sitting up as straight as they are. You know, one, you lose out on having that experience. Then two, you lose out on getting that information. So, I mean, when it comes to motor milestones, and if I walk sort of through from the beginning, if so you have a concern about your baby's motor development for whatever reason. Um, first of all, I should say for physiotherapy, for our services, you don't need a referral. So that that's, and that's a huge barrier that I find a lot of parents come and ask us about is they're like, well, don't I need to ask my doctor if I can see you? No, you know, the only times you ever would need a referral to come to physiotherapy is if you are accessing your extended health benefits. And sometimes some insurance companies require that. Otherwise we, we are an open door. And you can come and ask as many questions as you want. And that's what we're here for. So starting with the zero with the babies, we do see a lot of babies who are struggling with tummy time. Um, and we educate parents on some tips of how to make that easier. Um, because there are some things that can sort of come about from a child who has 
struggles with tummy time, whether it be head shape concerns. So um, a lot of people have seen those babies, pictures of babies with helmets on their head. Chrissy Teigen baby had a helmet on their head. Um, and so that can be a result of being on your back for too long or lying on your back and looking to one side for too long. Um, the technical term is plagiocephaly. There's brachycephaly, which is the back of the head. But basically, challenges with tummy time or challenges with movement can lead to um, head shape concerns. So we definitely see a lot of that. We also see babies who um, have who are born with torticollis. So torticollis is um, when you have a stiffness um, in your neck, and that can either be from just spending nine months curled up in a little ball in utero, um, and so the neck gets stiff and then causes a preference to look to one side. Um, that preference to look to one side can even happen outside the womb. So if you don't even sort of notice that, oh, hey, all of my baby's toys are always on this side, or I'm always sitting on this side of them when they're in their car seat or stroller. And so they yeah. get a preference to look one way. That's also something that happens. So that is what I would say the youngest kiddos that we typically see. Are and I'm going to pause you there, Jen, because I think I'm going to pause you there for a sec. I just mm. want to say this is that pre-pandemic, I think part of a lot of like parenthood discourse was like, don't compare your kids to other kids. You know, you know, your kid, everyone develops in their own timeline and stuff like that. I just think this, like, as so many of these moments have sort of been adjacent to problems with the pandemic is this big problem, which are people are missing it. They're missing those milestones. And even though you're not supposed to compare your kids to other kids, it's really important. Like, never mind, like, just you know, not having human contact and not having play dates and not having sleepovers and not having, you know, mommy music group once a week to see any development, it's not happening at all. So I really do think this is a huge moment where, um, you know, when you're going to your doctor's checkups or your, you know, or if you feel like anything is wrong at all, I'm not a big hypochondriac, but I will say that if anything has taught me about my most recent parenting journey, is listen to your motherfucking gut. Like if something doesn't oh, yeah. feel right, if it doesn't look right, like just like go toward that light, not away from it. And I don't want to create anxieties. That's not what this is about. No. I just think like, I was like, oh, I'm an experienced mom. Like, I know, I know, I know. And then like, there were moments when I think back to my journey with Henry and his medical complexities and those early stages, I'm like, this is not right. And my husband, I mean, God bless him. We were managing a lot in the middle of COVID. We just had a baby at home. Like I mm -hmm. was, you know, he wasn't downplaying it, but he was, he was like, this is what babies do. I was like, I don't think babies do this. And I really sort of didn't give myself the opportunity to examine those things. And I felt like uh, you have three kiddos too. Like after I had my last kid, I was like, oh man, like I got this, you know, like for me, it was oh, going to yeah. be family, family management was going to be our challenge. You know, that was it. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. just keeping sure that everyone felt loved. Never mind. Yeah. I completely missed Henry's milestones and didn't even realize it. Cause I just sort of like, you know, swept oh. it under the rug a bit. And it wasn't even that, even if I was hyper aware of it, it felt like I didn't have access to stuff. And I remember like in your clinic, you and Hillary, like at that, like in the you know middle of the pandemic and stuff, when you guys were just opening up and stuff like that, like it was still challenging, right, to get to get into the clinic and to do stuff like that. So um, you guys have obviously made it super easy now for people to have access to your services and education. But I mean, and not talk about your clinic, cl cl like not as a clinician, but as a mom. I'm oh, curious totally. to know your thoughts on this. Oh, a hundred percent. Because I think, and this is the 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 challenge, and this is sort of where, like you know. We, what I'm seeing in in the clinic, and and I'll parlay that to a, being a mom too, is that 
parents just don't know. And the only visits they have are their, their well baby visits. And, you know, not to knock it, like doctors are obviously fantastic. Um, but most of the time they use a wait and see approach and that doesn't necessarily vibe, um, for a lot of parents who you want to quelch that, you know, sort of feeling of, well, what is going on? What am I missing? I, I, my mama's intuition is feeling fine, but my doctor said, yeah, it's fine, but it didn't feel enough to satisfy that. Like for me personally, so pediatric physiotherapist, clinic owner, mom of three, my third, my daughter was seven months when COVID hit. She was four months when we opened the clinic and then she was seven months when COVID hit. And I, all of a sudden I turned around one day and she was over nine months and she wasn't crawling. And I was like, huh, like, how did I, how did I do that? And, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm grateful. She's typically developing. I'm, I've had no concerns since, but what I realized also was that I was home with three kiddos. My husband is a lawyer. So he was fully working the entire time. Nothing. He didn't miss a beat. I was trying to manage the clinic, trying to manage the kiddos. And what I did was I just stuck her in her high chair or I stuck her in the playpen. And I was like, you go here. I've got at the time a three-year-old and a five-year-old and I have to tend to them. And I did not give her any floor time. And I did not give her any opportunity to move her body. And then all of a sudden I turned around and I was like, oh, geez, like crawling, you know, seven to nine months ish. Here she is. It's over nine months and she cannot get up onto all fours. Oops. Um, And, and, you know, retrospectively it was, it was clearly because I just did not give her any floor time, but I was in survival mode. And you think of how many parents are in this survival mode of not being able to, to do any of these things. And, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily just focus on babies at the time, way back when in the dark ages, like they, when they closed playgrounds, you know, my three, my three-year-old who was, you know, going to be starting JK in 2020, uh, September, 2020, he didn't have access to a playground for months. And, you know, when we talk about getting school readiness skills and even like, you know, kindergarten prep, being able to climb stairs, being able to play on the playground, keep up with peers, manage in a busy hallway. A lot of those things are playground skills. Yeah. You don't give a kid access to a playground. They're not going to develop those skills or oh my God. then you shove them in front of a playground six months later and they are intimidated and they are scared and they are overwhelmed. And so, you know, as a mom, it's, it's a hard thing to manage that. Okay. I want to push my child to achieve their maximum physical potential. I want to encourage them to grow and develop and do all these things. But then I'm also scared for their safety on a busy playground that they've never done before. And so I'm going to hover and I'm going to be safe. I'm not going to let them do things. Um, and so finding that balance from sticking a seven month old in a high chair, cause I cannot deal with three kids right now to my three-year-old who doesn't have a chance to practice doing, you know, stairs at their outside their school that they're going to be going into. And they're four it it's the pandemic has really shifted the way that we look at about how kids play. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I even, yeah, no, I was, I was say, even go. telling my, sorry, go No, it's like my, like, I remember sitting my the, the three and five year old down at the time too. And even throughout this whole time being like, no rough housing, do not jump on the couch cushions. Do not do like, do not do all these things. We are not going to the hospital now. We are not breaking a bone right now. Right. But that's how kids learn. They learn by rough and tumble play. They learn by jumping on the 
couch cushions on the floor. And I actually recommend that as home programs as a physio. I say, put the couch cushions on the floor, do an obstacle course. But with COVID, I'm like, mm, don't, don't break anything. <laughs> don't, let's not, you know, risk a hospital trip. It's funny. I think I actually find when I see some of the social media rhetoric about these super, super babies that were born during the pandemic, as a mom who has a complex medical kit, I get angry when I see that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, not it's such a falseness that these like pandemic buildings were built differently or somehow yeah. that they're like superhuman because they're walking in yeah. nine months. I think the story that's not being told is how many kids are completely missing every, every developmental milestone. 100%. I just want to read you something. Cause I love on these podcasts, I'm doing some current events as they come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Goldie Hawn, obviously, I mean, Goldie Hawn actually founded a, a nonprofit in 2003 called mind up. It's an evidence-based program founded for children with, um, to help with mental well-being of kids. Goldie Hawn did a huge thing on her nonprofit today saying that she she feels like we have failed children during the pandemic. Mm. She's like they've done, they her organization has done 2 years of research. Um and she says kids are afraid of spaces, people, even the air around them. Um a level of constant fear not seen in decades. So when you're talking about fear of the playground, that's what it reminded me of that Goldie Hawn article. Wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. For fuck man. Totally. Yeah. Now, a word from our mom, Halo podcast sponsor. Who needs superheroes when we have moms? Kids and Company is Canada's leading provider of childcare with over 100 locations across the country and in the United States. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. And with 20 years of experience in the childcare space comes a ton of innovation in how they cater to their families. They have in-classroom webcams, an app that provides daily updates for parents, a from-scratch menu, and wonderful high-quality educators. These are just a few of the amazing things about Kids and Company. My daughter attends one of their centers and I can vouch for how incredible they are, far beyond others we've attended. They're offering families who register and start care by July 31st, 2022, a waived registration fee. That applies to new registrations only. Call their team at one eight zero zero my kid co and use the code MOMHALO to register for this offer. You won't regret it. Still dealing with leaky diapers? It's time to try Rascal and Friends. Designed with you and your little one in mind, Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers ticks all the boxes. Affordable, safe on sensitive skin, deliciously soft and super absorbent. Plus, their unique design provides up to 12 hours of leak production to keep your baby comfy and dry day and night. Join the thousands of parents making the switch and say goodbye to leaks. Shop Roscoe and Friends premium diapers, training pants, and sensitive wipes at Walmart today. So when you're talking about fear of the playground, that's what it reminded me of that Goldie Hawn article. Wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. We're fucked, man. Totally. Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild. It's like, you know, mom, to like my kids who are like, oh, mommy, you're leaving the car. Don't forget to put your mask on. You know, like yeah, fear. It's fear. I'm telling you, I was telling my husband, like, I find my kids' cortisol levels, like the stress hormone, is yeah. it's it's triggered so easily and it affects everything, you know. So, anyways, I know that you know yeah. all about this. Let's get back to the physical body. So we talked a bit mm-hmm. about the zero to twelve. We're talking about timing time, we're talking mm-hmm. about turning heads left to right, we're talking about uh like uh gross motor skills. What is a gross motor skill? I think we need to just take it right down. People don't really yeah. understand fine and totally. gross. Can you explain? So gross motor skills are the large movements of the body. So I running, like as you get older, 
running, stairs, jumping. Um, when you're a baby, there's a little bit of an overlap for sure, because there's smaller movements. Typically gross motor, you know, we do tummy time, rolling, sitting, crawling, pulling to stand, cruising, walking, yes. stairs, all that bit through. Fine motor, so the opposite of gross motor, is, is things with your hands. So manipulating things. So when you get yes. um, stacking blocks, that pincer grasp is fine motor. Can you uh, show a pincer grasp? Explain what you're doing as you're saying it. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm touching my- A pincer my, grasp my, is? A pincer grasp is touching your thumb to your pointer finger and pinching. Like you're pinching something, but you use it as a grasp, which is just like to pick something up in everyday life, right? So you put your thumb and your pointer together to, to pinch something, to pick something up. Um, you do a full palm grasp using your whole hand. So those are more fine motor skills. Handwriting um, is a fine motor skill. Self-feeding is a fine motor skill. Yes. Um, so all of those things are, would say are more fine because they're more precise. Gross motor is the more full body movement. So when it comes like throwing, catching, kicking, ball skills, um, you know, walking up a flight of stairs, um, sitting with good balance is more of a, a bigger gross motor skill. Yes. Um, jumping, standing on one foot, all the larger body movements as opposed to smaller body movements. And as physiotherapists, we tend to focus more on the larger body movements. I would say a very cut and dry global-ish way to look at it is sort of physiotherapists do more gross motor, occupational therapists do more fine motor. Now that's very, I'm going to get my head taken off because that's very general. And that's not to say that physios can't do some fine motor and yes. OTs can't do some gross motor a hundred percent, but I would never, let's say, work on handwriting with a kiddo, but I would work on handwriting with a kiddo by playing catch with them to get their hands moving. Yes. I would work on getting their shoulders a little bit stronger. So the more proximal, closer to the middle of our body, proximal muscles. And then the OT would then work on the shaping of the letters and things like that. So we definitely right. collaborate and work well together, but I would say a very generalized- Basic, very general. Yeah, That's what basic, I want, yeah. Yeah, differentiation is big body movements are, are gross motor skills. And so um, there is- a lot that we do when the kiddos are little in terms of these big motor milestones, which are more larger body movements. So rolling back to tummy, tummy to back, learning how to sit with balance, learning how to crawl is a very gross motor, full body movement, pulling up to standing, um, and then cruising along the surface, which is cruising is my fancy word for furniture walking or walking on the walls, um, and then standing independently, and then taking those first independent steps. And that's love the, that. sort of the zero to 12 progression. And then after that comes the sort of stairs and running and hopping and jumping and ball skills. I love that so much. And I think like for many people, the thing with motor, with, with milestones and motor skills is that you don't know it's a problem until it's a problem, right? It's, it's kind of hard in that way. Can you, can you address that Jen a bit? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's one of those things, again, coming back to not noticing other kiddos who are Keep, keep talking. Yeah. Sorry, go. Not, not, not noticing other kiddos who um, are doing these things. So, you know, we see a lot of kiddos who you know, parents didn't know, oh, I, my baby's not crawling. I didn't know they should be crawling yet, or they're not doing the stairs. I didn't know how, how should a child do the stairs? At what point does a kiddo go from crawling up the stairs to walking up the stairs to doing one foot at a time to doing switching their feet? Um, so that's sort of that parent empowerment piece that we love to talk about, about getting yes. parents and knowing about when these things should happen. And, and this is a lot of the time, you know, you, this is when you go to your well baby visit visits, your two, four, six, 
you know, nine, 12 month visits. And you can ask the doctor quickly, like you get those little sheets or whatever, what should they be doing? But you don't really get to delve into the why. And I think the why is really important too, because you spend these long days watching your baby play on the floor and you see them either going backwards and they're on their tummy and you're like, well, why aren't they going forwards? Um, and one answer is, oh, they'll do it eventually that you hear a lot from a lot of people. Yeah. But as a physiotherapist, when the body is my expertise, I can explain to you that going backwards is when you know a baby pushes up on their hands and slides their body backwards. That is because they're extending denser muscles are stronger than their flexor muscles. That was Henry, man. Oh my God. Right? And like, not every kid needs to see fit. Like, it's not a broken bone, extended hospital stay, medical complexity. It's any, anything that doesn't feel correct. There can be that support. Right. And I think that's, what's interesting is like 100%, like you might not, if if you're just looking your kid sideways and you're like, that doesn't look 100 to me or anything. You know, give her a little call. Give Jenna a call. Like they're they're there for they're there for the taking, right? So continue. Even, Go ahead. Sorry. No, even if but even if it's like you want to know why you're like this right. doesn't look this looks either this looks wrong and I want to help my baby or you're like but I want to know why why do they do this this is weird or this is yeah. like something I I can easily explain that to you the why behind it all and when you understand the why it makes it so much easier to engage with your child and help them progress further. I always say to my like parents like if you want to know why your baby's doing something get on the floor and do exactly what they're doing and feel with your body what where the challenge is um but i think that's a huge piece that you're saying was like if something doesn't feel right that's sort of what we're here for and and you know there's um another physical therapist in the states she has this tagline that says milestones shouldn't be a mystery and i just love that so much because it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that um you you sit there wondering okay well my baby's frustrated on the floor and I don't know how to help them or should they be doing this or this doesn't look right or I'm anxious because I heard my friend's baby is already crawling and my baby's not like that it I don't want that to be a stressful experience for parents I want it to be something that they can feel like okay I'm just gonna go get a checkup get some ideas and even if it's just to get some ideas for shit to do because like I always say that dude like the the days are long years are short but the days are long and you know, you see that your baby, you know, is playing on the floor. You want to play with them. You're like, how do I play with my baby? Well, I can give you some like purposeful play ideas. We use a lot of purposeful play language um, because it's like, here's some things you can do to just engage them. Um, Or I get the parents um, that I work with will say, I know that he wants to just get that toy. I just want to help him get that toy because he's so frustrated. And I feel like he would be so much happier if he could just get what he wants. Right. It's so crazy because I, I think for me, and what's so beautiful about that is like this time and age where parents are are having kids and multiple kids now at this point, right? Some people might've had a baby at the beginning of the pandemic. Now they're onto their second or third baby. They're growing their families in these moments where perhaps they don't even understand the wealth of knowledge that's available to them. And sometimes over information is too much information. And what we're trying to do with this podcast and what Halo tries to do all the time is curate the best in the business who really know what they're talking about. So of course that's you, Jen. Okay, let's let's pivot. Let's go from the next age and stage. What would you say? That's one to three? Is that the next age and stage? Yeah. So you've gone through, so I talked, I, I talked a little bit more in detail about the, the baby babies. I think it's really important to sort of get new parents um, empowered. But then yeah, you would go through the zero to twelve would be the tummy time, rolling sitting, crawling, 
walking, like pulling to sand and walking. But let's talk about tummy time again. Just do tummy time. Explain very slowly. What is tummy time? Because I have to tell you with my first kid, someone's like, Oh, do you do tummy time? I'm like, tummy, what up? Like, I didn't even (laughs) know what it was. So let's break it down. What is tummy time? Tummy time is time spent on your tummy. Um, and that's because ever since, um, you know, back to sleep campaign, which is obviously the best thing to do. This is what the back to sleep campaign is when your doctor tells you leave your baby sleep on their back, um, decreases the risk of SIDS. You want to be on your back for sleeping. So the majority of your baby's day, given how much baby sleeps, they're on their back. What that then now does is it doesn't leave an opportunity for being on the belly. And that's exactly what tummy tummy is. The campaign actually was supposed to be back to sleep, prone to play. Prone is the fancy word for being on your tummy, but that's why it didn't pick up because nobody, <laughs> tummy time is, would have been a better campaign, but that's their marketing. Um, that opportunity to be on your belly in sort of an anti-gravity position is really foundational for a lot of motor development for children, right? Because they have to be, if you think about crawling, you think about sitting up, they're learning how to push up their bodies against gravity. Um, and they don't get an opportunity to get comfortable with input or you know, touch to the front of their body because they're not spending time on there. So we balance out all of that time spent on our backs for sleep with playtime during awake periods or snuggle time being um, on our tummies. And then that progresses from being an infant to being a baby. Because I, I like to differentiate the infant infants from the babies who then will start to use their hands to push up, to reach, to then crawl. Um, and tummy time is often hard for a lot of babies because they don't like that feeling. They're not used to it. Um, and that's definitely something that, you know, I've chatted about with you before, um, and other, um, things that are definitely online about how to make tummy time easier. Cause it's often yes. not easy. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think <laughs> tummy time is not easy. The other thing is that if you don't know to do it, that's why we're seeing it. I think also a lot of kids mm. with needing helmets and stuff like that to avoid what I, what I know is like flathead, what you call the, the yeah. clinical term, but having yeah. the flat back or the flat side. Um, and I just, you know. It, my, my gut intuition is telling me people just do not know. We have so many first and new moms in this community and, you know, you can read and you can look online or you're looking on Instagram, but please, please, please. If you're, if you're, if you don't, if you don't know, just, just look ask. for the resources. Ask. Yeah. Ask. Well, I like that's the dying to just scream it from the rooftops. Yeah. Just ask. I love it. I love that so much. Okay. So let's go to the next age yeah. stage. And I'm going to ask you to keep stripping down these like terminologies because mm-hmm. <clears throat> our fans and followers are often quite, um, young moms and dads or, 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 or parenting folk of any nature. And they, um, mm. they definitely are going to be, uh, you know, probably taking notes on this stuff. And of course we'll tell them where to find you and all your resources. Um, okay. Yeah. So let's go to the next agent stage. Tell me so, about the next ones, our toddlers. They're toddlers. So now your baby's walking, right? So you sort of get that stage. You're like, okay, check the box. My baby's walking. What next? My first thing when a baby starts walking is I really want them to be safe when they're walking. And so that's making sure that they can walk around an obstacle that's on the floor. They can step over something um, and they can have their balance when they're on an uphill or a downhill. So there's really that refining of that gait pattern. It's not just about the steps. It's about the quality of the steps too, and their balance reactions and making sure that they're safe. So that's first. Then I would say after that comes the introduction of bouncing which is the early bits of jumping. So you'll start to see them bending up and down and doing cute little baby dance. Um, you can maybe 
stand with them and hold their hands on the couch and they can start to practice bending with their legs and extending and really starting to practice that early jumping, which comes. Another thing that comes at the same time would be stairs. So starting to walk upstairs with one foot at a time um, instead of crawling up the stairs. Um, And then also ball skills. Um, which is something that, you know, is great when it's introduced at a young age, like this toddler time, um, because you get really good foundational hand-eye coordination um, and reciprocal, so back and forth play, um, which is a nice thing to start to establish. So my big ones are, I would say from the toddler years, are balanced and navigating your environment safely, getting around safely, jumping, stairs, and ball skills are like the big ones um, from that one to three-ish sort of zone. I love that. So when we're talking about those particular skills, what is actually a textbook toddler begin? Great question. I actually don't think that I've had the textbook definition of a toddler. Sure, I would but what say, would you say? I would say one to three. I would say in that like sort yeah. of 12 to 36 months yes. zone, because once you're beyond 36 months and you start to think about, you know, just even as a society, what we do when you're in that three to four zone, you're really preschool school readiness skills. Um, because if we're starting JK when we're four, you know, that's a whole, that's, that's getting into like, so started the big kid years. Um, the, the little kid, big kid years that are, you're exiting toddlerhood and you're really going in. So I would say 12 to 36 months is the sweet spot for the toddler years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do we create, and I'll ask you this, how can we encourage and create safe space in those moments? Mm. This is the balance of safe space. And also challenges. I'm sorry, I said challenges twice, but you need to not make it too safe, I think is the is my take home from that. Because, you know, so often we are very much putting our kids in a little bit of a bubble and protecting them and not giving them the opportunity to to play and go and, and explore, which they need to learn how to fall safely. They need to learn how to stumble and recenter their balance and, and catch themselves. And so in terms of creating, you know, safe environments in your in your home, you obviously want them to, you know, not go off and and hurt themselves or anything like that. But you also, they won't learn how to do the stairs unless you do the stairs with them. And right. and that's actually a lot of what I'm seeing too um, in this COVID era is kiddos who have decreased decreased exploration skills because their environments are very, you know, you have a, a, a pandemic baby, let's say, who's now almost, you know, two years old who is in that toddlerhood zone and has been in sort of a bubble and has not explored their environment. So you can make it safe. You can make it safe um, by supervising them, but then you're also kind of sitting on your hands a little bit. And if they're going to step on that pillow that's on the floor and they're going to fall down, well, got to do a quick environmental sort of check in your mind. Okay. What's going to happen if they fall off this pillow onto the floor? Well, they probably cry for a second or that there's the carpet there that'll absorb some of the shock, but maybe it's a better idea to let them fall off the pillow and onto the floor so that they learn to put their hands out. They learn to use their tummy muscles to bring them back to, to center and their body versus catching them every time. Because as they go through from the toddlerhood to the little young childhood years, you're not always going to be there to, to catch them. And we need to afford them that opportunity to learn how to catch themselves. Yeah. I, I love that so much. I find myself like, I don't know, Henry, I'm so protective of him. We try to have this like balance of like letting him explore and we're, you know, because he has so much complexity and he has so much delay um, and difference. 
But I can see that, right? I can see a first-time parent for sure. And my gut intuition would be that they are, I don't want to say coddled, but it is a little bit, kids are not seeing an elevator. They're not seeing an escalator. They're not they're not seeing a different sort of um, rises and runs of stairs. They're just getting to know what they know. Lots of apartment mm-hmm. babies are not seeing stairs at all, right? Um, totally. That's and a couch big one, play, actually. right? Like, and yeah. um, those sorts of things. So I think for sure that's, 1000%. I, I can imagine that your clinic is, is booming with those sorts of things. Um, and I'll use this as a, just a segue for another sort of current event. I saw um, a news article, I think it was yesterday that I found to be very riveting about speech. And I know speech is not necessarily your thing, but I wonder if it actually, um, I think it transcends the conversation a bit, which is, I'm not surprised, but kids in speech delay, it was a, a US article talking about how um, speech therapists are seeing a 360% increase in kids under the age of five coming in for speech therapy. And this article um, talking about COVID impact is saying literally that it's a result of um, a twofold piece, which is, you know, a byproduct of our living experience. These kids are not learning language skills because um, when everyone's masked. Right. But, and and that's exactly goes into what we were saying, but kids learn by modeling, right? So you're masked. You can't see um, how someone moves their mouth. You, you, you learn. That's how kids learn, especially babies learn. How do you make the sound M? When, when you say mama, they're seeing that you bring your lips together, right? So if your lips are covered or you're not seeing that, they're not getting that opportunity. And it's the same thing for these larger body movement skills. If you're not seeing how somebody moves their body, you can't copy it. It's the same sort of reason that we always say we tend to see a burst in motor skills when kiddos start daycare. Why? Because they're copying everybody. They're seeing their peers model something. And then they're saying, oh, I wonder if I could do that too. So if you have got these sort of protected kiddos who are not seeing peers their own age because there's no play dates, classes, or or um, they're not off to daycare, um, and they're not seeing their parents even do stairs that much because yeah. they're in condo buildings and they're not, they're not seeing playground play. They can't learn from modeling. Right. And so it's, 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 oh, it's OT, it's, mm-hmm. you know, speech therapy, it's OT, it's physio, it's even behavior therapy too. Yeah. You can't see how another, how another child interacts with their grown up. You can't see how another child, yes. um, you know, responds in a situation. You're not going to learn from others. And that's just how we function as a society. We're supposed it, to learn from each other. It's so funny, John. I know you have three kids also who are quite young and I also do too. My kids are constantly playing and constantly warring over toys and they're constantly learning things from each other. So, you know, whether or not it's jumping or running or even, I'm telling you, a lot of Henry's development has come from my five-year-old and my three-year-old teaching him how to do stuff. So I feel very blessed in that way that I have so many, many people who are uh, connecting, but I have to tell you, there was a minute during COVID um, when things were open and things are opening again as soon. And we're sort of, you know, this, <laughs> open, I think of it as like that song wheels on the bus, the doors on the bus are open and shut. That's like this COVID <laughs> pandemic it. is like, is it open or shut? Um, <clears throat> so part of the reality for me is um, we were, oh, are you there? Sorry, Jen. Um, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. We went to a, um, an indoor play place and it was like re- super small. It was a midweek. It was really empty, but there were a few parents there who had kids around the age of my, my, my kids. And they were, these kids had obviously never interacted with other kids mm-hmm. in that way. They're not going to daycare. They are staying home with their parents and they don't know how to share or play on a playground. Like they have no yeah. understanding, like you get a turn, then I get a turn or, you know, 
or there, there was none of that. And I had so many parents saying, sorry, like they don't really do a lot of sharing or, oh, this is a pandemic baby, LOL. Like the, the trickle down effect of this is going to be enormous. Astronomical. That there's going to be like a, a mental health crisis for adults after this whole pandemic crisis of, mm-hmm. of, of, of COVID. But these kids, like Goldie Hawn said it, like it has been a failure for kids through oh, yeah. this whole thing. And I really do not, I'm scared to see, you know, not necessarily long-term effects of vaccines. I don't really, I'm not super concerned about that. I'm more concerned about all of these other psychosocial, you know, health oh, and yeah. things that are, are happening. So I'd love your, cool. your insight on that. You know, it, it's it's interesting to say because I, you know, we've been talking about my little kids, like the babies, the toddlers, the the playground kids. But I also it would be remiss if I didn't mention this other subset of kiddos, the big kids that we're also seeing who are have just spent so much time sedentary. And they're, these are the you're talking about your five to 10 year olds who have just been playing video games or watching screens yeah, or so and, and they're not. That they're not doing any of that anymore and they're not active as much as they used to be. They're not playing. There was no, you know, when schools were shut down, there was no recess. There's been no um, sports for kids, you know, like everything that's been shut down. Like my kids don't have their swimming. They don't have their hockey. I'm blessed to be able to put them in these programs. But at the same time, what we saw, especially in September, actually of this year, September of 2021, I saw a huge amount of kiddos who were returning to their sports for the first time, basketball, track and field at school and we're getting injured and we're you know weak and we're um not where they used to be and they're trying to pick up these activities where they left off but meanwhile they spent the last eight months or a year in front of a screen or they were you know at home so they weren't getting as much outdoor playtime and the effects on that from a even like you know fitness perspective yes, but also yes. from a from being prone to injury perspective because their muscles aren't moving the way they used to they're not conditioned in the way they used to and so you're 100% right is that it stems that there are challenges at every age for all of this, but it does stem from, you know, failing these kiddos and not letting them play and learn in the way that we know works best for development, which is to be around our peers, to interact with others, to share, to model behaviors, to model skills, um, and also just to have that activity basis. Because like I said, the injuries that we're seeing now, we may have not seen if they had been working on these skills the entire time and working on these muscles, conditioning these muscles the entire time. So it's a threat. It's a very common thread that you can see play out at every age and stage. It's really bananas to me, honestly. I, I, I don't want it to be so doomsday as we wrap up here, <laughs> but uh, you know, we are seeing, we are know that there are, there is help available and let's just go there, Jen. What, where can somebody find you if they were looking for resources? Tell us all the ways, your socials, your website. Yeah. So we, um, so social, first of all, easiest is um, at Toronto Kids Physio is our Instagram. We also have a Facebook page, but that just posts from our Instagram. So um, you can find us there. We often post tips. Um, we highlight some of the kiddos that we work with. So you might, you know, see some of the kids that we work with and see your own child reflected in that. So that's a great way to know about us. Um, our two physical locations are um, one's at Young and Lawrence and the other one is at Side at Eglinton and Laird. And we also do offer virtual. So that's something that um, I just want to touch on really briefly because I think it's been amazing for us. Um, as physiotherapists, we are licensed to practice anywhere in Ontario. So our license keeps us in Ontario, but that means I've actually seen clients in, in Barrie and in London um, and it's been really nice to connect that way. And virtual still does work really well, especially 
when I'm providing a lot of parent education about milestones, or if I'm working with a kiddo um, on, you know, in playing virtually, um, it, it does work really well. So we do have that as an avenue as well. Um, we have online booking through our website, which is linked um, on our Instagram. And so you can easily book online, um, but we've got two phone numbers as well that you can call that are all on there, kidsphysio.ca slash Toronto. And I will link everything in the show notes. Yeah. It will all be there for the taping. Yeah. I love and it. And so book online, send us an email, um, or even DM us on Instagram. We're very um, approachable. And I think that's, the, if there's one message I would love to get across is that like, this is a physiotherapy company started, um, you know, obviously we franchise from out West, but I'm a mom of three. Um, who is very relaxed and approachable. Um, and as is my partner, Hillary, she um, is the most vibrant and fun person um, that I know. And we have curated a team of amazing physios who just want to be there to help you and your kiddos. Um, and so whether it's just a question or whether it's, you know, come in for an assessment because you just want to ask, we're here to help. And I want it to not be that, you know, big, scary, intimidating appointment. We are, no, we're here to have fun. We're here to educate. We're here to empower. Um, and so I know all of what you said, doomsday, like we talked about, but at the same time, um, we make it fun and we make it interacting and interactive. And the kiddos, you know, the, my goal is for a child to not know that they're actually doing therapy. I love so. that so much. Tell me then, um, if there's one piece of advice, if people hear nothing else today, what do you want them to hear before you wrap then? I love that question. I, I would just love them to know that they can ask and that it's accessible, and that if you have any question at all about your child's development or any question at all about your child's injury, don't be afraid to reach out and ask because there are answers that are accessible to you. Um, if it's you know not your physician, it's your physio, and that's what we're here for, and you can get that empowerment feeling um, from a physiotherapy appointment. I love that so much. I think you're absolutely right ask the questions. And I think we sort of, we hit it a few times over this conversation, just ask, asking the question, you know, is, is yeah. really where to go. And, and, and really we are trying to bring you the best and brightest and Hillary and um, Jennifer here have really are the best that we have in the brightest. So I appreciate your time today. Mm-hmm. Thank you Thank so you. much. And if you're looking lovely. for resources, we are, these are the people, please check out their Instagram page. And um, I think you have a newsletter too, right? Uh, yeah, we have our, um, if you're part of our mailing list, then you get yeah. our, our little mails as well. I love that yeah. so much. Thank you, yeah. Jen. Thank you. Have Such a great a pleasure one. As always. You Bye. too. Bye. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Sick Kids is helping redefine what's possible in pediatrics. Also, children can lead healthier, happier lives. In 2021, Project Halo raised over $150,000 to help build a new Sick Kids, designed to better serve patients and families. This will include spaces devoted to parents and caregivers, spaces to feel calm, relief, and rest. We are calling on our community again this year to join us in helping build a state-of-the-art hospital. Together, there are no limits to what we can achieve. To learn more and to donate, go to fundraise.sickkidsfoundation.com backslash Project Mom Halo. Thank you for your generosity and support.